This is our seventh annual Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear recommended summer reading list show. In case you're just tuning in, we move from picture books to middle school reads. On the phone with me now is actress Karen Parsons. She played Hillary Banks on the now iconic series, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, for six seasons. It's our pleasure to welcome Karen Parsons to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, Karen. Hi, Rodney. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. We're excited to speak to you. So let's start where it all began, I guess, for all of us and probably yourself as well with The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. What do you remember most about auditioning for that show? Oh, for auditioning. Well, I auditioned so many times. I had to audition because I, you know, I had I'd hardly done anything. I hardly had any credits. So I had I had to audition for the casting director's assistant to start. Wow. And then I got to I got to go up in front of the casting director, and then I had to go in front of the writers, the producers, Quincy Jones, the studio, and then the final audition was for the network, and that was. Absolutely. Like, I was so terrified. Um, but I, you know, I showed up and, and there were, there was outside in the waiting room, there was me, there was myself and one other Hillary. And then there were two Uncle Phil's auditioning and two Jeffrey's auditioning. You know, it was like that. But it was really daunting because, you know, you're looking at your, your competition. It's down to the two of us for the part. Mm-hmm. And then I walked into the room for the audition. And they had to move it because there was some problem with the the location where they usually held the big network final audition, and we had to do it in someone's office. And so everyone was squeezed into the office. We had um, <laughs> Debbie Allen, the director, oh. you know, Benny Medina and Jeff Pollock, producers, Andy Susan Borowitz, the creator producers, and you know, Quincy Jones. I don't know if Quincy was actually there, but a lot of people just packed into a tiny little office with people sitting on the floor. Mm. And um, and so it was, they were all very good humored and funny and welcoming, and I was so nervous. Right. And then I turned around and and saw before facing them to start, I turned away from them for a minute to gather myself, and I saw my reflection in something, and so I just started to primp like Hillary would, <laughs> and that started to slowly bring the care, made me calm down and take me into the character, and by the time I turned around, I was able to, to inhabit her completely. <laughs> All right, cool. Look at that. Now, how much of that character, Hillary Banks, came from you, Karen? Yeah, came from me? I mean, the writers were, were we had wonderful, wonderful writers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I'm anything like Hillary, <laughs> but... Hillary was written to, I think the description was she was a model type. And I knew that I wasn't a model type. So I had to figure out how to make this work for me. So she was a little bit of a model in her in her own head. And then I started playing around with this very silly affectation that was entertaining for me. <laughs> like, I enjoyed, you know, doing this whole, you know, talking like this and and bringing a, a little bit of what I was kind of mocking the, the rich girls that I had gone to school with at Santa Monica High School, kind of mocking an idea of them. It was uh, also taking a little bit from my cousin, a cousin of mine and a friend of mine and kind of blending it. And um, so, I, you know, so once I started doing the part, I think they – from what the um, executive producers, what Andy Borowitz told me specifically, is that 
you know, he told me what an influence it had. At one point before I auditioned, Brandon Tartikoff, who was the head of the network, turned to Andy and Susan Borowitz and said, I think we should lose the Hillary character. And he said, just hold on, just hold on, just see this actress, just wait. And then I auditioned for them, and afterward they said, Brandon said, all right, I got you. I I get it. (laughs) (laughs) So you know what? That was really cool to hear, so they kept me. (laughs) All right. Now, you did the show for six seasons. At the time, did you guys know that Will Smith would become basically Will Smith (laughs) going to do what he's doing? No. I knew before I did the show, I knew who he was from DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I knew some of his music, and I knew how charming he was and funny, and I liked his stuff. But and then I met him and adored him from the first week and took to him immediately. Like the whole cast, you know, we were so close so fast. You know, Will made us crack up all the time. We always all had such a good time. But at the same time, you know, he was ours. He was our family. He was like, it was like having a hilarious cousin that you get to spread that you spend a lot of time with. They all of a sudden like become the number one box office selling actor. Yeah, you're a little surprised. <laughs> you're like, Wait a minute, what? All right. <laughs> and in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to our annual Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear recommended summer reading list for a complete list of all the books that we selected this year all you have to do is go to our facebook page sunday morning magazine with rodney lear on facebook head there now and like us there now on the phone with me now is karen parsons you remember her from her six seasons of playing hillary banks on the fresh prince of bel-air she's here this morning to talk about her new book we'll talk more about that book and made our middle school read category we'll talk more about that in a second now let's talk about some of your favorites from the fresh prince of bel-air I'll mention something, and you can tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Your favorite on-screen Hillary Banks moment. When I was blackmailed by Will and Carlton. <laughs> for dropping out of college, first season. And they made me bark like a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that episode. Uh, favorite behind-the-scenes moment on the set. I didn't get to see it firsthand, but I saw James Avery's face when Will mooned him off camera. <laughs> that was pretty good. I'll never forget that face. <laughs> Your favorite guest star? Well, even though Zsa, Zsa Gabor let me wear her ring all day, which was awesome, <laughs> um, and even though I was really excited to take my have my picture taken with Tom Jones, mm-hmm. my favorite guest to work with, and I know this always sounds so strange to people but because it, it, of all the people we had on the show, but it's the truth. Regis Philbin. Really? Regis Philbin. I would have loved to do a spinoff with him. He was so funny and dry, dry <laughs> as a bone, hilarious. I was just tickled, and it was fun to banter with him and work with him. I, I loved it. He was so fun. All right. Your favorite scene with Will Smith? Well, you know what I always think of? Because this is, I mean, and you guys actually got to see it in the bloopers. Um, it was a night at the opera, I think it was called. And it was after Trevor's died, mm-hmm. and Hillary can't get over him, and she's trying to date uh, one of Will's professors who has a mole. And she can't keep her eye on She's just fixated on And he's perfect in every way, this guy, but she's just fixated on his imperfections. And so Will takes her aside. He's, he double dates. Um, they go on a double date. And he finally takes her, takes Hillary aside, and he's saying, you have to get over Trevor. If you don't, you're going to be this old woman who wears rhinestone gauchos and T-shirts. <laughs> and, says, Damn. and he just started making stuff up. 
um, Will was saying stuff to me. I had no idea what was coming, and <laughs> I could not keep it together. I was crying. All right. And again, we're speaking to actress Karen Parsons. You remember her as Hillary Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, let's talk about life after the show, because what many people may not know is that you're doing some amazing, wonderful, important work through your company, Sweet Blackberry. Tell us about what you're doing. Well, Sweet Blackberry is a nonprofit organization that I started in order to bring little-known stories of African-American achievement to children. My mother was a librarian my whole life, and um, as an adult, she, when I was out of the house, she was working, um, heading the Black Resource Center at her library. And so she'd call me from time to time to share stories she came across that she found fascinating. And she called me and told me the story one day of Henry Box Brown, the enslaved man who literally mailed himself to freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, he, for, for people who haven't heard the story, Henry had a box built, got inside, had someone nail it shut and put postage on it and send him as a, as a piece of mail with fragile on the side and this mm-hmm. side up and all this. Um, it had them send him, uh, I think it was a 27-hour journey, I think by wagon, boat, train from Virginia to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And when he arrived um, and he had survived this journey and they opened it, he was across state lines and therefore a free man. And my mom told me that story and I was so blown away by it. And then I was equally blown away by the fact I'd never heard it. My friends hadn't heard it. And I thought, this just has to be a book for kids. And and so it was many years before I finally pulled it all together. Uh, it wouldn't be until after I had my own child and started thinking about it a lot. But then I started to pull these stories together and make these short animated films about real people in black history, um, these empowering and inspiring stories about real people. And they're all lightly animated. They're like picture books come to life and they have a single narrator. We've had Alfre Woodard, Queen Latifah, Chris Rock, Lawrence Fishburne, um, narrate them, and uh, our Gregory Christie is our illustrator, and they're just fantastic. They're just they're really great stories for kids, and for the, and they end up the whole family ends up enjoying them, which I love. All right, now the book that made our recommended summer reading list in the middle school category, How High the Moon. You say this is your debut novel, and you say that writing this, the writing process for you was frightening. How so, and why? Well, it was. <laughs> It was daunting, okay. for one, because it was historical fiction. You know, as much as I've, I've found myself in my adult life uh, working in fiction, I, I hated history as a kid, I'll be honest. I It was so difficult for me. It was all memorizing dates, and it was so, like, abstract and odd. And it, it took until I was, a, you know, until I was an adult to start recognizing um, these incredible stories and, and events and relate to them, but I wanted kids to have the same kind of thing. So that's what Sweet Blackberry was doing for me. But writing a novel was really taking on an awful lot, you know. Um, it So that was part of it. But also some of the subject matter itself was difficult. Um, it was taking, this takes place, How How the Moon takes place in 1944, follows a little girl named Ella who's light-skinned and lives with her black family, her grandparents and cousins in a little town outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Her mother, who is black and lives up in Boston trying to be a jazz singer, um, she completely idolizes. But Ella doesn't know if her father is possibly white. She doesn't know who he is and what that might mean 
if he is for her in the segregated Jim Crow South. And um, uh, one of the things that was difficult in writing the story was bringing into the story the true story of George Stinney Jr. Um, for people who don't know who he is, George Stinney was four, is a real person. And when he was 14 years old, he was um, executed for the murder of two little white girls. This is something that would be later, they would retry it and, fi- and find that he was, um, and he would be exonerated. They fi- they'd find that the whole initial trial was a sham and uh, he'd be exonerated. However, um, when I do Sweet Blackberry research, I would come across George's face a lot as a little known story. And it broke my heart that this had happened, but that also nobody even knew who he was. And I always wanted to share it, but he wasn't a sweet Blackberry inspiring story. However, he grew up um, in in the, 1944. He was growing up in a little town outside of Charleston. And so my, in that story that I wrote, How High the Moon, is very much following my mother's upbringing. And so George Stinney just happened to live you know, not that far away, same time. And it made sense that he would find his way into the story. But um, with such, it being such a sad story, it was, it was a little difficult um, to get into. But I'm, I'm glad I did. All right. You made it work. You made it work. Now, I learned um, so much about history, I have to admit, about read, um, reading the book, some things that I didn't know, and especially the link between Boston and Naval Yard for women and so much. I don't want to give too much away from uh, from the book, but I thought that was really interesting. Tell me about Thank this. You. Tell me about the amount of research that goes into a book like this and especially things well, like that. Those little lot. details and nuances. You're not kidding. I mean. The beauty of doing of historical fiction is that you stumble upon things like the women working in the shipyards, which were the, the ship fitters, which is not something that was I intended going into the book. But as I was following the lives of people, I had to see, well, what would be where would she be working and where was were the men? This was during the war and what was going on here and just things that what made sense uh, for the location and the time. And, and then you. You know, you trip over something and go, wait a minute, what's this? And you read further, and next thing you know, you've cracked up wide open a window that is not just a learning experience for me, but it's an incredible opportunity for a young person, if I can put it into the book, for them to learn about something real, but be engaged, you know, see it as a, as a real story and and learn from that as opposed to somebody shoving it down their throat. It's like, you're going to learn about this. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, make so that that was really fun. A lot of um, there were, you know, like you said, with little nuanced things. I have to just say really quickly, when you're doing something like this, there were things like I'd have a line, someone saying, you know, she poured a glass of orange juice, and that orange glass of orange juice, all of a sudden has to be carefully examined. You know, were there oranges uh, in South Carolina in 1944? Uh, hmm. If there were, was it you know was it orange juice concentrate? Was it a in a can? You know, was it you know there were so many things that we take for granted mm-hmm. that were not necessarily part of life at the time. So um, it's a really meticulously painted picture <laughs> in some areas of of that life, and that's where the research is just kind of a regular ongoing thing. But it's 
but it's fascinating, and, and I'm glad it provides an opportunity for the reader to learn just like I did. And although this is a historical fiction book, I think it's really timely, especially what we're seeing on with race relations right here in America today. Yeah, definitely. When I was writing, I was writing a, a, a lot of the book in 2016, and it seemed like every time I opened up my Facebook or the paper, another black man or boy was had been killed. And it was overwhelming, completely overwhelming. And, um, you know, it, it's hard for what the truth of what's going on in your life not to find its way into what you're working on. So I think that's another reason that George Stinney made his way into, and some other, you know, dealing in the Jim Crow South um, and the injustices and the prejudice and the racism, I think, the, you know, and even you know, in the, the little lines of hope, areas of hope, all of these things made their way into the book because, you know, it all started. I have to say, with my mom saying, with asking my mother about her childhood and her saying what a happy childhood she had, consistently, and eventually thinking, I have to ask her some deeper questions because she grew up in you know during Jim Crow. Um, I need to know, you know, was it dangerous? Were you ever frightened? What kind of things did you witness? You know, how did you have a happy childhood? And by writing the book and talking to her, I was able to discover how that is possible, how a child can, can be raised and have a wonderful childhood, even with that kind of turmoil in the world. All right, Karen, we talked about the production company. We talked about the new book, which is one of the books that we selected for our recommended summer reading list. It made our middle school reads category. For more information on that, you guys can go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear, and you'll find a complete list of our recommended summer reading list. But what else are you working on, Karen? I understand that you have a project called Flying Free. Tell us about that project and what we can expect next from you. I do. Bessie, it's a new picture book coming out. It was a sweet blackberry short film, but we've created a picture book of it. It's called Flying Free, How Bessie Coleman's Dreams Took Flight. It's about the the first black female aviator, Bessie Coleman, um, the first black person to receive an international pilot's license, um, unprecedented, and a really inspiring human being. And so we have the picture book coming out um, in December 1st, December 1st, I believe, of this year. And it looks so good. I'm really excited. And our Gregory Christie did the illustrations. And it's a story of a, a really pioneering woman who everybody should know about. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. You have so many people praising this book. You got Jacqueline Woodson, Kwame Alexander, everybody signing on. Um, Jewel Parker Rhodes talking about how great this book is. And I can sign on as well. I love reading it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking time to talk to us this morning. Thank you, Rodney. I really appreciate being here. All right. And if our listeners would like to find out more about you, Karen, how can they find out more about you and your work? Well, they can visit sweetblackberry.org to learn more about what we're doing. And Sweet Blackberry is on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And Karen Parsons, myself, I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and so I'm always keeping up on, you know, posting the things that I'm up to, any kind of events or presentations or anything that we're, that uh, Sweet Blackberry is doing as well. All right. And if you missed any of that, we'll have it on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks. Have a great one. We've been speaking to actress Karen Parsons. You remember her as Hillary Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to our seventh annual Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear recommended summer reading list. We put together a list of what we believe are some of the best books for children in three categories, picture books, middle school reads, and young adult novels. We just finished our middle school category. Some of the other books that made our list in the middle school category, along with Karen Parsons' How High the Moon, include Clean Getaway by Nick Stone, Up for Air by Lori Morrison, and Stargazing by Jen Wang. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.